You're listening to. And you're listening to the Clubcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. This is for the East Side. East Side. From Vietnam to Vietnam and above and beyond. For cholos and chicas who roll in Toyota, Corolla, or Nissan. Provoking Harukens with Fofos and Levi's. Rolling that Indo, throwing that peace sign. Hope is no cold case, don't won't see no heat rise. While taking that bar train from Frisco to Fremont. Arcade is designed to arm our policemen. With far more power privatizing these prisons. Hey everyone, welcome to, to episode 155 of the Collabcast. It is... Is wow. Saturday, January the 20th, 2018. My name is Marvin Yeh. I'm Minji Chang. And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture in Asian America. And this week, we are coming at you from Park City, Utah, for Sundance 2018. Um... This episode's coming at you a little bit late because we've been busy um, planning and doing all sorts of stuff here at Sundance. Um, it's our annual episode where we get to do it in the middle of a hotel lobby, so yeah. you guys Yay. get to hear the hustle and bustle we're of here, Sundance. We're here at Sundance HQ at the uh, Park City Marriott. Who we are not sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a special guest with us, or she just, just happened to be here, and we dragged her onto this podcast. It's, Kicking and um, screaming. I just showed up. It's former intern Aubrey McGaugh. <laughs> former intern. Former intern now producer. She's now pro- instead I of upgraded. instead of intern Aubrey, she is now producer Aubrey. And also associate director of collaboration Los Angeles. Aubrey. Aubrey. Welcome. Hi. Hi. We're all a little tired. I, can you tell? <laughs> it's no, what, we're not. Yeah, no, we're good. It's like day three of Sundance right now. It is. Only it's Saturday. Um, it started. It started off as a um, very mild Sundance here and then suddenly we got snowed on yeah and that's when everything went hectic so let's just paint this picture for you Robert Redford and team decided to have a well they didn't envision it become so giant but kind of feel like you should have known um (laughs) film festival where they get to screen things and directors and filmmakers come from all over the world in the middle of January in the middle of the Utah mountains yay with all the snow it's all the experience yeah that's why I wanted to check in with you you having fun because Marvin and I had this last year so we've I mean had a chance to get acclimated I was having fun I'm having fun the snow, snow you face planted in snow today I did because that's like part of my bucket list so <laughs> No, she did it. She just like <laughs> into snow, <laughs> plopped over. I'm sure afraid there's like a pipe in there you can like, stab yourself with well, or something. I don't care. She's very trusting. Okay. I, was, I got it, it on film. Fluffy, you know. <laughs> as someone who's from Southern California, that was like a goal of mine, a dream of mine. And now you have achieved it. I know. And Would I got, you got it on camera. Yeah. I know. We're having our not so wintry winter in California. No, we're finally getting some winter right now. Yeah, it's nice to get Intense. some winter. And by winter, it's like 50 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it's like 19. Yeah. <laughs> We are here as part of collaboration to help um, produce the APA um, experience here at Sundance. It's a, I guess it's the 15th year this has been going on? 19th year? It's been a long time, right? For the APA filmmakers experience? Yeah. 14th year. 14th year. Yes. Um, started by our friends um, David Magdale, um, Irene Cho, and... Visual Communications. And Visual Communications. Um, and now we're here. There's, um, if you take a look there's there's a ton of asian americans not only producing films but directing and starring in you know you got your standby your steven yoon's your john cho's but you also have your you know up, up and coming um directors like um chloe zhao um christina cho uh andrew on is here he's direct he's directed some episodics that yes. they're featuring now at sundance um and um 
We have Vivian Bang. Yeah, Vivian Bang, who um, wrote, produced, and starred in her debut uh, feature film. Feature, yeah. yeah. Which, which is, is amazing. Um, it's competing great. in Next category, right? Yeah. Which is a big deal. Yeah, that's I mean, the same one that Google was in, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. Woo. So, um, I guess uh, we'll start this episode, oh, we'll start this podcast with the same question we ask every week, which is, what are you, what are you into? What are you watching? And since we're in Sundance, let's see, what, what have you watched in Sundance? Aubrey and I have watched the same movie. We the same watched movie. only one. We've so only been far. able to watch one movie so far. But it was good. It was um, White Rabbit. Which is the Vivian Bang, Vivian Bang movie we were just yeah. talking about. Well, now that I've watched most of it, I mean, you guys can give me your feedback on it. I've watched <laughs> most of it. I, I've been. So, Minji Chang is also <laughs> co hosting a podcast called The Daily Buzz. You should check it out. We should check it out. And I'd love to, I'll speak on it later um, in the episode. But um, in the process of that, I'm watching a ton of screeners for the Sundance and Slamdance Film Festival. So my brain's swimming a little bit <laughs> with all the things I've been watching. It's a bit stupid to complain about. I get to watch a lot of great films, but <laughs> like, it's oh, a lot. No. A lot of great films. Some films are better than are others. Are better than others. <laughs> well, give and take, yeah. Well, all learning. And it's, you know. I don't know. Not everything is everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got to see the world premiere of White Rabbit, which, like we said, written, produced, and starring Vivian Bang, who's been in Hollywood for a long time. For I think six seasons, she was on uh, Sullivan and Son as the sister. Get and it, Vivian? She Whoa. was, you know, what's that? Um, the Jim Carrey movie where he can't say no. yes, man. Yes, man. Can't say no because he's a yes man. Oh, really? She was, she was in that movie. Okay, I was too young um, to remember. So she's it. been in the she's been in Hollywood for quite a while. This is like her first like kind of taking sure. a step out and do like doing something she's always wanted to do. I'm surprised because we met her today, and or like you guys went to the film yesterday. But yeah. I hadn't met. I've heard of her for quite a while in mm-hmm. terms of our Asian American circle in in Los Angeles and beyond. But I, I hadn't met her. Yeah. So I think it's really. She- like really serendipitous dope. and awesome that we're meeting at Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was like her baby. Yeah, so White Rabbit is a movie about a Korean-American performance artist that is going around L.A. doing performance art around, like, I think mostly K-Town, but also the beach. And I think MacArthur, like, not MacArthur. Silver um, Lake. I go, yeah, Silver Lake was there. Yeah. It's very and L.A. It kind of, like, watching it here exactly in Sundance LA. made me <laughs> very, very nostalgic and appreciative. Right? I was like, oh, home. And she, I was like, that. I know that place. <laughs> Like the um, the Galleria, right? The Koreatown Galleria. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, That's our food court, man. <laughs> We've had collaboration meetings there, you guys. We've bought K-pop from that store. Yes. <laughs> she like, went into a K-pop store. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember that. Well, so when you guys came back from the screening, mm. like I hadn't watched it yet. I was mm. waiting because my screener link wasn't working. But I remember that you guys had a lot of positive things to say and you guys took really different things away from it. Because I, when I watched, the, as far as I have, I was like, oh my God, I can completely. It's like, it's like the artist struggle. Yeah. And, it is. And Aubrey, like, actually, you haven't even ever told your story, but do you want to give, like, your context of what you I do? I had a religious experience. <laughs> no. <laughs> Low key. From the very She was beginning. making sounds during, we were, we, no, we, yeah. were, we were in the front row because we were, like, at the end of the wait list and we didn't care. I don't care. What yeah. was sounds? It was more like little peeps of just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It was amazing. It was a religious experience just because, you know, I'm a struggling artist. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Behind the scenes struggling artist. And I felt every single like moment of where she would perform or where she would make a mukbang. Or or, she would check her views. Or she would check her views and I'm like constantly. (laughs) My life. My life. It seriously was my life. And like she has like subscribers. (laughs) Subscribe to my personal channel. (laughs) Um, so the story is about her. Um, she does performance art because that's her. That's her form of art. 
Yeah. Right. But then she pays the bills by being a task rabbit. Yeah. And a task rabbit, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like um, we are not sponsored by task rabbit. Also not ta- <laughs> sponsored by task rabbit, be. but it's basically I need X. Who can do this? It's like Uber for. It's Normal like random thingies, yeah. yeah. I need help, like, taking out my garbage or yeah. whatever, <laughs> which is so great. And the one thing that I was saying to Vivian was, like, I think, it, for me, it's just, like, a, it's a, an Asian-American film, like, a story about an Asian-American person who's, like, so specific. It wasn't holding back anything. Yeah. That's why I really liked it. I mean, it's totally quirky and weird, but it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so it was directed by a white dude. Um, <laughs> Daryl Wine. Daryl Wine, who's married to Zoe Lister-Jones. Um, he's his production company is Mr. Lister, mm-hmm. um, and basically the story goes: she was performing. Why her is it so loud up in here all of a sudden? <laughs> now we bring in the party. Something's going down at Sundance. Yeah, we bring in the party. Um, the story goes that she, her, the, the performance artist that she plays, is actually a character that she does for her, like for a one one woman show called Can You Hear Me, and during one of her performances at the Red Cat Theater in L.A., he just decided, I need to work with you. And let's let's make a movie together. It actually happened in real life. And yes. so, yeah, and it's really interesting because it's a very Asian American story, but directed with such care by this like mm. kind of yeah outside yeah. who let Vivian tell her story, yeah, which yeah. is really great. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, the, when we when we met them, it was really cool to hear them say, you know, it's working with the intention of addressing intersectionality. And intersectionality is interesting for me because that feels like such an academic term, <laughs> and I feel like it's very like the social justice circle, mm-hmm. right? Like. There's even Asian American artists that we know, tons of them, that have never used that word or don't really... It's, it's just not kind of in their... Vocabulary. Their consciousness, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I feel like, again, it's part of the privilege that we have sometimes to be in the circles <laughs> yeah. to have these people make it with the intent of intersectionality, but then making it in a way that's super entertaining and mm. funny and vulnerable. And, right, like, right. that's the best part because you don't have to be, like, in an mm. intersectionality yeah. mindset to, like, learn about it yeah. and appreciate it and right, walk away right. like, oh. They made it very relatable. Right. You didn't have to be, like, gay or lesbian or anything. It's yeah. just you got it because yeah. that was their character. Because there's, like, pain they and awkwardness. Had, they also yeah. had one character that was microaggressions, like, personified. <laughs> oh, my God. It was hilarious. I still haven't finished it, but it's been really funny. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And I didn't know how, you know, every time I get a screen, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. Here we go. But I was listening to my headphones in the car. Like, mm-hmm. I watch movies everywhere. I'm in Sundance, basically. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, how <laughs> <laughs> was me doing the movie? Yeah. So my friend with me, he was like, oh, she likes this one because she's not like throwing her phone. <laughs> There's a really interesting thing that um, Nana Ghana, who is the... The, the supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's um, great. She's from Ghana, and she was saying in this movie she was allowed to be herself because in a lot of her roles in the in the states since moving here, she's had to play American, had, oh, to, had totally. to speak, right. yeah, not in her like native dialect. Yeah. So in this movie, she with was her like, accent. And she was allowed yeah. to be herself with her like normal accent. Right. right, right. Because just, you would actually yeah. find that in L. A. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job. I mean, wait. So Vivian co-wrote it. She co-wrote it with Daryl, and she also co-produced it, and it's basically. It's loosely based on her own life story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. And Very nice. it's great because um, most of the dialogue that they d- that they shot over the movie was improv. So <laughs> I love that. 
where the actors mm-hmm. got to really just make up whatever they wanted to say and, and make like, it real and make it real yeah. yeah so it was very relatable also uh, I was reading tweets about the movie some people were learning about the 1990 riots and how it was you know the, oh, like, like the Korean American <laughs> perspective of it I, I was like wow <laughs> I, it felt very like heartwarming to me because it's like a little nugget that's I was like, like gold accomplished yeah. yeah and it's like a connection to kook you know oh, yeah. like, it felt like oh there's like these little <laughs> it's kind of breadcrumbs yeah, yeah. <laughs> Minji, what are you into at Sundance? Um, I've been actually seeing a lot of really good uh, documentaries. Yeah. And tell, and us. tell us about a couple of them. I, I know you've seen so a couple. I feel so lucky, really man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't get to watch as many like narratives and I want to watch more. But um, the documentaries at, that come to Sundance are freaking just solid. Is it killing it? There's two in mind that like really kill. Well, one like. I want to talk a little bit more about one that I recommend is called 306 Hollywood. Mm. I, I actually, I just think it's really creatively done. It's a documentary, but they took a lot of creative liberties to like make it super, super visual and like visual arts infused. Oh. So they did like collages. They did life-size models of their grandma's house. It's about excavating. Their, these two siblings made this documentary to honor and excavate their grandmother's life after she died. Oh. And they had like 10 years of footage where they had been interviewing her, asking her questions about everything from marriage to friendships to like watching her friends die. Oh, this no. is the movie that you want to make. It's yeah. amazing. Right? But it's a document. It's just really well done. And it's a great way to kind of acknowledge all the extraordinary little things that make up life. Right. So that's one. But the other one that I think was really powerful... I hope you guys watch is Anote's Ark mm. oh. and it's about climate change refugees and Anote Tong is the former president I just basically say that he's like the Barack Obama of Kiribati <laughs> and it's the, it's these small tiny islands on the equator in the Pacific that are disappearing the the waters are rising they're losing it's not even just like it's going to cover their land it's like right. the water is messing up everything their ability to farm and their ability yeah. to like have electricity and right, like right. their irrigation like everything it's right. really sad it's like you've you've gushed a lot about this film and we, we um, got to and so we're also here like Minji said to um, to produce a um, entertainment podcast to interview independent filmmakers and we actually got to talk to Anote himself he flew all the way from where did he come from Kiribati or Kiribati they call it yeah to attend the premiere of this film about him and his his um his struggle to um to invoke change yeah or positive like what was like progress in um, climate change right. right like any action whatsoever you can like really, really he's he's aged a lot since he was in that documentary mm-hmm. and they followed him for years like through the UN summit that was in New York through the Paris yeah. climate agreement I mean his home no is longer is relevant to us his home <laughs> is literally disappearing I mean, yeah. it, and it's like sure it's a small country but like you can't wait till it affects you to like yeah. it's shifting everything care, you know? yeah and yeah. I think that's the, it's really beautiful because he's just so well spoken and so eloquent and so sharp and oh. unforgiving and like I appreciate that because there's no time to BS around it no. And he brings yeah. that urgency and saying, hey, it's not just like these people are all being displaced and we're losing cultures. This is like going to affect our entire global economy. This is like a massive thing that we're, we like need to take responsibility for. It's yeah. not a it's not a luxury anymore. You mm-hmm. guys, we've been talking about this. I mean, it's and an I actual country it. that's disappearing. Out yeah, of they're not going to make location. it for sure. They're 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 in the way they've given up. They're like right. they're not going to survive. This country is getting wiped out. So they're already like trying to figure out where can they go. And that's where it starts. It's like yeah. if those small countries disappear, you don't even know what would America happen. I mean, our coastal cities, you know yeah. what I mean? Like 
the, LA, that's, that's New what, York. That's where we live. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco. That is where we live. So we don't even know what's going to happen to us. No. Right. So, but it's just really cool because to me, it's like, I come to this place like Sundance and like some people can take it like, oh, okay, it's just a bunch of rich, rich white people getting together. It's like pat themselves on the back. But like, to a degree, you can't see that anywhere. You can find the negative wherever you go. Yeah. But you can also find people who are making things that change the world. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's you have to get you give and take both. I can say that about a freaking pitbull concert. You be like, well, this isn't even saying <laughs> anything, yeah. right? But it's making people happy and making right. them feel like. And alive. even though there's like big names here at Sundance, it's I love I, you, pitbull. I didn't I, mean to touch it. <laughs> no, pitbull's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> weird analogy. Jaden Smith is playing right now at, at Sundance. <laughs> Uh, that's what the kids are. They don't know pit who, pit bull. What is this? Re- what is this reggaeton? <laughs> um, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> but Sundance has always been like, and Minji, um, not Minji. Aubrey and I were at the uh, was at everywhere was what we were at the opening press conference with Robert Redford himself, oh, and yeah. he was saying how from the beginning, the Sundance Film Festival was a reaction to Hollywood chasing after profits more and more. So. He wanted to create a space for diverse voices. Yeah. He also made this really good point that it wasn't about competing against Hollywood. It was adding on to Hollywood. Right. Like, Hollywood can exist, but also these films can also exist and create a market for themselves. Right. And, like, fight to be seen. Mm-hmm. And they've done yeah. it well. You know, like, yeah. there's a lot of amazing filmmakers who have come through here, actors who got their start. It's a great place to be seen and to understand how the industry works. It's not saying you have to abide by all of that, but like I've learned so much being here the last three years. Just I didn't know this is how it worked, you know. <laughs> but how films get seen at festivals, how they get bought, how you'll go from like being like a completely unknown random person from the middle of nowhere in America or the, somewhere anywhere in the world, and like suddenly you know you sell your show to Netflix because you got it screened at Sundance. That's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, not even that. Not get it sold, but like people see it. Yeah. I think it's yeah. your story. <laughs> a lot of great stuff. Hopefully we'll see more movies over the next couple of days and we'll talk to you guys more about what we see. Um, but let's get on to some big new- let's get on let's talk about some recent news. Um, it's been a while. It's been a pretty crazy week in Asian American news. The biggest story of course is the Aziz and Sari um, story that's been going on. Oh, I don't um, even know how to begin to unpackage that, bro. <laughs> I mean so I think what's come out from the story, and for those of you who don't know, it's last Saturday, um, Babe.net broke a story. Basically, a woman named Grace, um, pretty pseudonym. much. A pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Pseudonym, yeah. Um, pretty much recounting a um, experience with Aziz Ansari while on a date that kind of turned into like a harassment thing. And it's basically. She wasn't comfortable, but he kept kind of pushing the envelope, mm-hmm. and it snowballed. She from left there. in tears. Yeah. Um, so since then, there's been a big debate over whether he should be destroyed for this, whether she overreacted, and it's it's a lot of things. So the way that I want to organize this discussion, like there, there's enough think pieces about this that you can kind of read and form your own opinion. This we're just gonna. It's talk cool. a little bit about we'll just it. Say our thoughts. But, Take it with a grain of salt. Number one thing is, yeah, definitely what he did was not cool mm-hmm. yeah. even if he wasn't a um, actor or award-winning mm-hmm. whoever like a person with power what he did was uncool and something well, that w- women deal with all the time because of just how people think dates go or how mm-hmm. they're entitled to whatever because they're on a date right yeah. right um so that's one thing that's like yeah for sure he was in the wrong yeah he does like he deserves to get shit for being 
shitty onto a date. Yeah. yeah. Just like anyone, anyone of our friends deserves to be. Like, if it was like, your friend yeah. that went through that, you'd be like, that sucks. Can I, yeah. like, that, that guy's a douche lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other side that's kind of become the meta narrative is how this story was kind of Come not on. reported well. It invoked a lot of backlash from the f- women who have been really staunchly backing the Me Too movement. Yeah. And they're like, one of them was the, uh, what's H&L, that woman. She's like the most outspoken about it. She's like, you just like. Well, there's, a, there's been a lot of, um, there's a lot of articles um, saying that you, like there was one that said you, you're, this is harmful to the Me Too movement. Right. Because the Me Too movement is about systematic people in power, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, but at the same time, there's also. There's a Jezebel article, I forgot who wrote it, that explained it really well, basically saying that this is a story that should have been told, but it should have been told better. And because of the way that it was reported, like the, the, they should have used the story to start a dialogue about how... How would that have started? I mean, like, Aubrey, did you read the article? I didn't read it fully. I just got bits and pieces of it. Um, but from what you were saying, Marvin, I think the way the article was put out it just gave a ba- one. It didn't give the woman a right voice to explain herself correctly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the other part, the other side of um, the story went. It's like, can can a woman even describe her Me Too experience in a way where she's not criticized? And um, if if maybe and. So what the Jezebel article also argues is like the the Harvey Weinstein article that broke that story um, used that as a framing point, a beginning starting point for a movement. Like mm-hmm. this is something that's been happening. Here's like here's why it matters. Yeah. Whereas this story was kind of just like this is why these are as bad. And well, there's been the, a lot of stories like that. And he's a celebrity. Yeah, but I think it's also this. They told how uh, Aziz Ansari was acting up, but then they told it in a way from her point of view i think yeah and they focused yeah. on things like what she was wearing what they ordered like yeah. a lot of like what he actually did the details but instead of the backlash on aziz ansari it was more backlash i feel like it was more backlash on the woman yeah saying yeah. that oh honey you should just step yeah. out of it that's the that's what i've picked up for i yeah yeah from the and responses there's something like there there are certain things that point to me like maybe babe.net was also acting in bad faith meaning that they approached it because they approached her to tell the story because mm. she posted something they, they, like, they followed up with her because since then Babe.net has also released articles about boasting about how this article is their most, yeah, most first highest first of all yeah. <laughs> first of all what is Babe.net I'm it sorry was, let's I feel just, like it was it's more owned by um, Robert I bet Mur- you somebody in this hotel is like the editor-in-chief no it's owned by Rupert Murdoch okay who owns Fox News um, oh, okay, <laughs> but no. There's like there's there are there are signs that point that they didn't really care about the story as much as like how the story would get clicks. Clickbait, right. it, yeah, exactly. Babe.net gets some article about Aziz Ansari. They got the scoop. I mean, okay, like legit. There's just the so many ones, things right? that play. I guess so. They're the ones who broke the news. They were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because everyone keeps referring back to this. So yeah, there's so a lot of layers. It, it was like clickbait. But I mean, that's, that's, that's those are things. That's that the we thing. Can like, say. do you want to turn? Do we? Do we? Do us as like kind of? I don't know. I don't know who us means, but do we want to turn these types <laughs> of stories into like <laughs> clickbaity things? And but that's what, I what mean. is that like? What is that like? Because I don't think it, it, it was a huge story, like the having wise thing. But I don't think it, they were only doing for clicks for sure. Right? For the journalists, however, there's there. been a number of stories that came out like 
on everybody, the Kevin Spacey thing, and then mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, and like all, every celebrity who ever did anything shitty or douchey came under fire. Yeah. So to me, in that aspect of where this conversation's been, it makes complete sense why Aziz Ansari's gonna have his two seconds of shame because some chick is gonna feel... I, I would give her the benefit of the doubt. I don't think she was aiming to have babe.net like do XYZ. Yeah. But she's saying, look, I went through something really terrible too. Let me share it, which she did. And then yeah. they got picked up, right? Yeah. But it's again, she can't control the narrative of how someone else is going to frame her yeah. story and then try to get cl- clicks off that. So I think that's what I'm trying to say is like that, 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 that side of the story where the thing that happened to her is shitty and should be reported as something that's sh- shitty. It, it should but be something that she be can be able to freely talk about. But I think, yeah, it's how the, it, the article was written. I, I feel like what's harmful was what, what, the, what the outlet did. Right. right. But, I, don't, but the, I think th- there's going to be la- levels of different yeah. interpretations because some people will be able to see past that and right. be a little bit more like have a little bit more critical thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. what I wish happened was that she didn't sell that story to the first person that came to her. Mm-hmm. What I wish was like she kind of held on to until someone more qualified to report it. Right. And who knows what state of mind or right. what she was at. She's probably just distraught and like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the assumption is. I don't know how much they paid her. So what I heard was the urgency was driven by, by his winning the Golden Globe mm, and ap- mm. appearing there, ostensibly supporting feminism. Mm. Right. Me too. Right. right. So, Honestly, yeah. I get it. I get it from multiple sides and it sucks. And then I also think that another question that arises in me is how we're going to defend people that we really like. Yeah. Like, I have a personal yeah. <laughs> fangirl, you know, yeah. miss hood for Aziz. And it yeah. sucks to know that he acted irresponsibly. However, I'm pretty sure that most, a lot of guys in my life whether they're famous or not have had moments where they messed up and they didn't act accordingly to like the best ethical yeah, I think chivalrous codes of conduct which I think, sucks well, I mean yeah I, I, I guess I think we'll see what happens to him so it makes it clickbait right <laughs> yeah like I think the the next, these stories will keep coming out I think sure. this chapter though like I, I want to get your thoughts Aubrey too just like what, what people want out of like in terms of justice yeah like I don't necessarily I personally think the the intensity of your crime or like the intensity of your douchebaggery should be equivalent to the punishment. There are men who haven't gone as extreme as Harvey Weinstein for sure. Right. And so it's tough. But like we're at that particular juncture. If you're the ones coming under fire during this time where everything's kind of getting turned over and mm-hmm. evaluated, sucks for you. But also this is centuries <laughs> coming. So it's it's a yeah. sucky time maybe. Like well, you're getting eye for an eye <laughs> I don't care for eye for an eye I don't even know if it's gonna be even right I just like, don't want men who are a threat to women who get away with it to get away with it that's yeah. basically it no, yeah, exactly. yeah and if you have if you have been given ample warning if you've been given an ample opportunities to write yourself and you are like pathologically incapable of keeping your shit in order then get out of the way so someone else who's talented and, mm-hmm. and respectful of other people right. can take that spot. That's my, my meta, right? Yeah. But then if it gets personal and I'm like, well, but I really like this person. <laughs> yeah, because if it's like Aziz, like we really like him. He stands for a movement or he used to stand for a movement or we think he is. But at the same time, it's like he he's accountable of his actions of he did this thing and maybe he wasn't in the right ma- mind. Or I'm not making excuses. He messed up. But no, and he, no, and he's no, got to write that. He's definitely he definitely did mess up. Whether whether he was 
intoxicated or sober or whatever. Or just insecure or just Indian insecure. guy who's you know, trying yeah. to get some butt. Too handsy, too horny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why. You have to be accountable of your actions as a man. You know? Yeah. yeah. As a person. As a person. I mean, I think that's the message now. Is now, being a good person or being a... It's, it's no longer a a suggestion. Right. 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 Like it should be expected of you. Well, for men. I mean, like specifically for men. Yeah. And and honestly, the maternal side of me gets a little like, oh, well, they didn't. Okay. Well, why, why, why? I don't know. I just like it's it's been it's been it has whether men have consciously intentionally try to leverage that privilege whether they and the same thing with like white privilege with everything whether yeah. you've been conscious of it or not it exists yeah. you know so these are the levels that are balancing out it's yeah. gonna be uncomfortable yeah. it's uncomfortable yeah. for women have to hold people accountable that they care about and like have wronged them it makes uh-huh. it's it's uncomfortable for everybody you know right so I don't know Aziz like he apologized and I want him to never do that again yeah but it's like you want them to learn their lessons you yeah. want them you yeah. want them to like the first step is to admit that you did something wrong that it was wrong and to apologize and, and that, like honestly, there's like yeah there's so many like yeah. you don't know where that person okay if you inflicted something on that it's like and I've been on the receiving end I personally it sucks with it like you don't know what that person went through when they first encountered you when right. you made that move, it could have been, who knows? And that's the sucky part. As mm. humans, you never know what someone else is going through. And I don't like, personally, I get really pissed off when I get apologies. Like, I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm like, right. if I apologize to someone, if I like hurt your feelings, I'm like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Like, exactly. that's taking, like, yeah. acknowledging I messed up and I'm sorry that, that I did that. But anyway, like, yeah. it's just, we're at a different, it's a different playing game. And I'm... Like as second as this is probably not the last time we're gonna be talking about this. For sure. So it's it's an ongoing thing. Um, other news that came up. Um, there's been two um, adaptations, book to TV or book to movie that that was announced last week. First was um, the Wangs versus the World by Jay Chang is got picked up by I believe Hulu to be turned into a pilot. Really? Um, yeah. It's, so the Wangs versus the World is a story about. It's basically imagine Arrested Development but with an Asian family. Oh dear! <laughs> so it's like a rich Asian, a rich Chinese family from like Southern California who loses all their money and takes a trip through China to like recover. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so that I'm, we're, I'm excited about that. The other it's one already great. Yeah. The other Can one they go shopping and have like a whole bargaining episode. Right. Well, also if if it gets if it gets if the pilot is ordered, um, John M. Chu is already connected to direct it. Oh, yeah. Really? yeah. So and the, John's going to be on our APA panel tomorrow. Hey. And it's the natural, a natural follow-up to Crazy Rich Asians. Yep. Um, the other um, All news. the other crazy. Have they casted already for that? Or no. no? It, it's it's still, just got, it just got picked like, picked up. The other nice. one is um, Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng is being turned into a movie. Um, Everything I Never Told You is a book about a mixed-race family. Um, the father's a second generation Chinese man who grew up in the uh-huh. 40s uh-huh. Um, and dealing with the suicide of one of their daughters. Whoa. Whoa, it's that's a really, it's a, it's, it's a really, it's, it was actually the second book for the Books and Boba Book Club. Nice. It's a really intense book, but um, we're excited because it's like, it's. Asian uh, families are intense, yo. You yeah. think that, oh my gosh. It's, it's not perfect. It's actually yeah, really, really hard. The story hard, is all about expectations amazing. and not 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 meeting. Oh, them. I feel dysfunction already. for yeah. days. And Dysfunctional, how, loving family. Mm-hmm. And how that trauma mm-hmm. can be passed from one generation to the next. Wow. Yeah. That's really dope. I feel it already. Yeah. I'm gonna write the Korean version. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> I got stories. Make, um, make people feel. <laughs> um, so looking forward to those two um, movies. Um, I guess. 
I mean, we're we're in the middle of a lot of things going on, so we're going to probably cut this collabcast a little short. Um, we didn't do a break, so just in case you didn't know, this collabcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Um, you can find out more about us at collaboration.org. Um, we're also part of the Podcast Collective. If you like um, what you hear, go check out... Um, actually, since we're in Sundance, check out Saturday School, a podcast about Asian American film history, where Ada Sangha Brian, who... Like, what's up, Ada? What's up, Brian? <laughs> um, bring you a different... Um, highlight a different Asian American film according to a theme. Um, it's a really great podcast. Check it out. Short and sweet and super informative. Awesome. Yeah. Can I just really quickly... I wanted to do a closing shout-out to Irene Cho. Yeah. Because uh, without Irene, we wouldn't be here. I definitely wouldn't be here. She brought me out to my first uh, Sundance two years ago in 2016 as a moderator for the APA Filmmaker Experience. And that was really incredible. I met so many great people at that event. And it was my first time at Sundance. And she uh, passed away this past summer. Mm -hmm. And she was a light for a huge community of filmmakers. A lot of them were Asian Americans because she had a huge heart to get our voices and our stories out there. And... um, this woman spent a huge, huge portion of her life advocating for the voiceless. And I think if it wasn't for her work and for her putting her money, her time, her energy and her blood, sweat and tears into like making these events happen, who knows when they would have. And yeah. um, we're here because we're helping carry on that torch. So yeah. we love her. Yep. Uh, thanks, Irene. Um, she was also the reason I got brought here last year for my first time producing The Daily Buzz. Like, so Marvin can audio engineer. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, The Daily Buzz is the podcast that Minji, myself, and Aubrey are working on here for the um, for it's um, it's a daily recap show um, where we interview independent filmmakers, talk to um, journalists about what's the latest buzz. Um, you can find episodes at kcpw.org on yamyamf.com and also on Movie City News. Um, if you want to hear Minji, Minji actually got to um, interview one of her favorite actors, Mr. Nick Offerman, the other day, and yes. she made him chuckle. Yes, <laughs> I wanted a full-out giggle, but he chuckled. <laughs> um, I can die now. Yeah, and I guess before we leave, Aubrey, how do you how do you feel about your first Sundance? I feel great. Thanks, Irene. Even though I didn't get to meet her, but she sounds so amazing. I took Aubrey to the restaurant that. Uh, Irene took me to I today. nearly almost cried. Yeah, I, I told her. Oh, yeah. And I was telling her was about like, how. Did you give her the pep talk? We have to pay yeah, it forward. We have to build next <laughs> yeah, gen. So. And I guess that'll, that'll be this week's podcast. Um, we'll be back again next week with another episode from Sundance, hopefully with some um, more things to talk about um, in terms of films here that we've been seeing. Tell you how the um, panel talk about went. How the panel went. Hopefully, maybe get some tape from the, from the event. Well, now I know how to work the Zoom 6. So. <laughs> I am good. Tom Minji. Oh, yes. Minji also met Common. I met oh, Common. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, Aubrey, if people want to find more of your stuff, where can they go? You could check me out at Aubrey Wasabi at YouTube. Can we, though? <laughs> uh, you can. <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find me. What about Twitter? Also, Aubrey Wasabi. You can find me anywhere on social media with Aubrey Wasabi <laughs> at Aubrey Wasabi. As always, you can contact the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast at collabish.org. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Not YouTube. What am I saying? Subscribe to <laughs> us. Where'd that come from? Subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Play Music, 
Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your podcasts. Give us a nice rating and review on iTunes. Five stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thanks to G. Yamazawa for use of his song 1990 for this week's intro and outro. And so from the snowy hills or mountains or whatever the hell is out there. <laughs> the snow. Park City, Utah. We bid you adieu. Great. Good closing. Solid one. Bye, we'll, we'll Bye see guys. you all next week. Bye. Repping for that 1999. You know who I am. It's Mr. Yamazam. I'm the honey grand man. And I'm aiming for your place. Hot blam, hot damn. Put your hands up. Hands up. You know what it is. It's the cancer.